A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, greet Presca and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I am grateful, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church of their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first fruits in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives and my fellow prisoners. They are prominent among the apostles. They were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our coworker in Christ and my beloved Stachys. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I, Tertius, the writer of this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me, and to the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortus greet you. Now to him who can strengthen you, according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret for long ages, but now manifested through the prophetic writings and according to the command of the eternal word, made known to all nations to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever and ever, amen. The word of the Lord. I will praise your name forever, Lord. Every day will I bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Generation after generation praise your works and proclaims your might. They speak of the splendor of your glorious majesty and tell of your wondrous works. I will let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might.
Dominus Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If therefore you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The Pharisees who loved money heard all these things and sneered at him. And he said to them, you justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. For what is of human esteem is an abomination in the sight of God. Verbum Domini. Make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will become welcomed, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Well, this immediately follows the parable that we heard in yesterday's gospel at Mass, the parable of the dishonest steward. So the reference to dishonest wealth means using wealth that does not belong to oneself, it belongs to someone else. Remember in the parable of the dishonest steward, the steward was being fired and then he, present, and he, he actually proceeded to cheat his master of his wealth before he left in order to gain friends so that when he was fired and he no longer had a job, he'd be welcomed by these others and they would take care of him. So he was looking forward to his future. He was trying to secure his future, which was very uncertain. And of course, our Lord taught this parable not to encourage stealing or dealing dishonestly, but rather he wanted to make a very strong point about the spiritual life. As one commentator simply pointed out, everything we actually possess in this world does not really belong to us. We're basically all stewards of the one true master, God, who is Lord of heaven and earth. So the Lord is encouraging us to be generous with others regarding our management of what the Lord has entrusted to each of us. And regarding that parable of the dishonest steward, St. Augustine would say that the steward is not being commended for his wickedness. Our Lord would never condone sin or wickedness, but rather he's being commended for his foresight because he was looking to his future. Right? And if this man in a worldly sense was looking, how can I secure my future in this life? How much more so should we as Christians look to our eternal life? Right? our eternal future. So the point of this, again, is if the children of this world are willing to go to an extreme measure to provide for themselves in the immediate future, even as much as to steal, how much more so should we as Christians be willing to act promptly to prepare for eternal life 
not by stealing, not by wickedness or sin, but by a holy and virtuous life. And the steward acted right away. He was very prompt when he knew that he was no longer going to have a job. But how often are we as followers of Christ, how often are we lacking in motivation or zeal, right, to look toward heaven? Again, St. Augustine said that the steward was ensuring himself for a life that was going to end. Would you not ensure yourself for eternal life? And we see, right, there are people, there are many people who entirely pour themselves out to secure their future in this life on earth. Um, again, how much more so should we seek to prepare spiritually for eternity with God in heaven? And an important point of today's gospel is to approach wealth as a steward would. Again, stewards are not owners, so everything we have is a gift from God. And St. Paul would remind us of this in his first letter to the Corinthians, even with regard to our own bodies. He said, you are not your own. You are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So everything that we have, it belongs to the Lord. So today we're reminded to, to make proper use of wealth, not being attached to it, not serving it rather than God, but rather storing up our treasure in heaven, by being generous to those in need and practicing good works and living a life of virtue. Again, our Lord says, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth so that when it fails, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So just as the steward in the parable that we heard yesterday, he made use of dishonest wealth to gain friends, right? We can use the wealth entrusted to us, not in a sinful way, but to use it to gain friends for Christ, to point others to Christ. There's a great, I just heard this uh, yesterday, a great insight from Dr. John Bergsma, who said one thing that we can get from the dishonest steward in yesterday's parable is we know that he used things in order to gain people, right? In order to gain friends. Whereas oftentimes in the mindset of the world, we want to use people to gain things, right? So we want to, we want to, we want to gain friendships, you know, we want to gain good friends, we want to gain people for Christ, we want to gain souls, win souls for Christ, for heaven. So to keep that in mind. Again, that's something to, to greatly think about. And so when our Lord said too, Make friend for yourselves with dishonest wealth so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. There will come a point when the things that we have in this life are going to fail us, right? Particularly at the moment of death. After death, what good is the, the material things that we have now? She says that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings, right? That if we gain friends by, by making good use of what's been entrusted to us, they're going to help us. They're going to pray for us. I'd say we're helping someone in need and they've gone to heaven before us at our death. They're going to be praying for us, helping to welcome us into the kingdom of heaven. St. Gregory the Great had a great line with regard to almsgiving. He said, we ought to consider that we do not so much give alms to the needy as offer gifts to patrons who will receive us into everlasting dwellings. Right? These are our friends who have gone before us and they're there. And again, we believe in the communion of saints that we're here to help each other, to pray for each other along the way, along the path to heaven. Today, we also, as we're, the vestment color is white, we're also celebrating the memorial of St. Martin of Tours, who is a patron saint of soldiers. And today also, November 11th, is Veterans Day. We've observed it, I think yesterday officially, um, but it's good to, we ask St. Martin to pray for all those who have served in our military, um, to pray for soldiers. 
But St. Martin was born in Hungary in the fourth century, and he followed his father's footsteps into a military career as a soldier in the Roman army. And he is known in history for how he responded to a beggar who was shivering in the cold. And when Martin encountered him, the saint took out his sword, he cut his cloak in half, and he gave half to this man who was, who was freezing to death. What happened next, we hear in the biography of St. Martin. We read that on the following night, when he had gone to sleep, Martin saw Christ clothed with the part of his cloak in which he had clothed the beggar. Then he heard Jesus clearly say to the multitude of angels that stood about him, Martin, though yet a catechumen, covered me with this garment. So this really emphasizes a couple of things. One is that it emphasizes our Lord's teaching that that which we do to the least, we do to him, that we do to Christ himself. But also we notice as well, our Lord referred to him as a catechumen, right? So he was preparing at that moment to receive the sacrament of baptism, not even a Christian, but he was preparing to receive the great sacrament. He would be baptized at the age of 18. And it's written that when he was baptized, he said to his commander in the army, I have served you as a soldier. Now let me serve Christ. And he was actually accused of being a coward for wanting to desert, to leave his military service. But his response, I think inspired by the Holy Spirit, he said, with the sign of the cross, I shall more certainly break through the ranks of the enemy than if armed with shield and sword. And when he did leave the military, he went to St. Hilary, who was the Bishop of Poitiers. And under his instruction, he'd be formed in the faith, and he was ordained to the priesthood and later consecrated a bishop. And he also would go on to establish a number of monasteries, um, one of which he himself lived in. Um, he lived a very holy life with 80 other monks. But he still had to fight the good fight of faith, um, as there was a lot of heresy going on. He combated error in the teachings of the church. He sought to clarify the true faith as it had been passed down from Christ and the apostles, and he persevered to the end. And it's noted that as he laid on his back, suffering on his deathbed, those around him wanted to turn him around to alleviate his pain. But he said to them, allow me, my brothers, to look toward heaven rather than at the earth, so that my spirit may set on the right course when the time comes for me to go on my journey to the Lord. He wanted to be facing the Lord and facing heaven. His biographer notes that after St. Martin said these words, that he saw the devil standing nearby. And Martin said to him, Why do you stand there, you bloodthirsty brute, murderer? You will not have me for your prey. Abraham is welcoming me into his embrace. And those were his last recorded words. It's been said that St. Martin had a heavenly countenance um, a heavenly happiness in his countenance, that you could see the joy of the Lord um, on him, especially on his face as he was approaching death and as he died. And he certainly experienced that joy, that peace that comes from following the Lord, from fighting the good fight to the end. So we ask his intercession that we might likewise um, be faithful soldiers for Christ, especially in the spiritual life.